everything is working. You guys are ready, right? I was just waiting on you. <laughs> ah, what a privilege it is. We've uh, been singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And that's a joy, isn't it? And everything based upon the truth of God's Word. That's really where everything centers around. That's what we're about. Now we get to hear from Him as far as His direct Word of Truth is out of uh, Romans. And so, uh, excited about this every time we open this section up. And Romans 5 is definitely a great place to be. Wherever uh, we would be at would be great, wouldn't it? And a lot of times I'll say this is the greatest passage that we could be on today. (laughs) Uh, We're working through a comparison between our relationship with Adam and our relationship with Jesus Christ. And verse 14, uh, where we last uh, were at last week, uh, it was speaking about the type. Adam is a type of Christ. There's a lot of types in the Old Testament that are pointing to the anti-type or the ultimate uh, whatever Christ be. He is everything, right? And so... Um, you have shadows, you have types, things are pointing to Christ. So Adam is in that way a type of Christ. There are some similarities that uh, Adam in his position had that are kind of like Christ. Uh, They both were appointed by God. Uh, Not only that, but they were ahead of a race. and also ahead as far as dealing with the covenant. And they both were presented, uh, represented actually a seed, the seeds. And as a result of that, they passed on to their seed whatever their work was. And so Adam is ahead and Christ is ahead. And they both did things that affected all of humankind. And so there is a similarity there in that sense. And there are many of them, and we'll give you an idea there. And that's kind of what Paul has been speaking about in this Romans 5, at, uh, starting at verse 12 and then through 14. Now, in 15 through 17... Uh, we're going to see again the two, but now it's going to be the differences between uh, Adam and Christ or our relationship with each one of them. We are justified in Christ. In Adam, we are condemned in Christ. You see the opposites now? We see the contrast there. They're great. Uh, as far as the similarities are, but there are uh, contrasts that we know that reflect the glory of God. And, and, and that's what these particular verses that we're dealing with today, these three verses, are going to do. They're going to show the differences uh, and the glory of God in those differences. And oh, aren't we so thankful that there's such a difference between Christ our head and Adam which was our head. Uh, Quite the difference. We are justified in Christ, condemned in Adam, and the differences are so tremendously uh, great. Uh, The salvation that we have and redemption 
is far greater and more glorious than that condemnation that we have in Adam. So that's the point that's made, and there'll be three that we'll look at. Each verse we're going to kind of divvy up and show the contrast of the differences. It's much better to Christ, and of course, eternally much better. We'll describe one that. Now let's uh, let's grab our texts, our Bibles. In whatever format you have, turn to Romans 5 and verse 15 through 17 is where we are going to be reading and studying from today. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned, through the one much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, your word is precious. It is truth. Uh, we are into a text that in some ways seems very, very simple. And on the other hand, it's very profound, and the more that we look into it, the glimmer of your glory is starting to shine more and more. Help us get a glimpse of your glory in a way that we haven't understood this, and it brings out aspects to us to glorify you and to have our lives change more and more like Christ. In Jesus' name, Amen. As we read along through there, you, you got the gist, didn't you? You have Adam, he's the one, and we are in him. And then you have Christ, and he is the one. Uh, first Adam, last Adam. Uh, the idea is, is that we need the last Adam. Because the first Adam brings death. That's really what it comes down to. So the glory here is definitely seen in God's Word. Uh, in verse 15, what you have, first of all, and, and uh, really I'm pinning one against the other in each verse. Uh, that's how we've kind of uh, designed this here. That's really how God designed it. You'll pick it up. You have the transgression or the sin, Adam, Versus the free gift of grace. Free gift. And we'll get to that in a moment. What's the free gift? You probably already know, but we'll get to that. So he starts off here. There's a relationship that we have with Adam. And it's a physical connection. We are descendants of Adam. We, are, we were in him. When we were born, we were in Adam. Whether we like that or not, that's what we talked about. Last week, we were in the loins of Adam, in that sense. He is our federal head, our representative. And anything that he did, 
that would be contradictory to God who created him, we are also responsible just like he is. We happen to be from the United States. There's a head of the United States, the president. So when they say his name, the foreigners, whenever they hear that name, they think of this whole nation and the people that make it up and what their ideals are and what they do and such. So we're part of that, whether you like it or not. And uh, these days I know there are definitely differences of ideas in the nation that we live in. It's hard to pin us down what we really are, isn't it? But physically, we were in Adam. He is the father of us all. He's the very beginning of this human race. And the way that God made it, He is such a head as that we are held responsible for His one sin. And that is the problem. And that is the history of mankind because that is the nature that we all inherit. Everybody. And so we're sin even when we're born, even in the womb, as David said in his confession about sin. So he is our head. Um, we saw from last week we all sin. We, uh, it's not necessarily in that sense. We, uh, we are not really accounted for our sin in that sense. I'll get to that. <clears throat> and we, we delineated between that, the two kinds of sin there, uh, at least as far as what we're held responsible for. Our nature is the problem. We sin because we are sinners, right? And so even though it's bad to sin and have our own sins, the thing is is that we all uh, die. And it's been proven over and over and over and over again, hasn't it? It's proof what Adam did is because there is death. And where did death come from? Well, that's, it goes back to that. The one act of Adam. So that's how we're accounted for being sinners. Whether you like it or not, you say, well, I didn't sin. Well, that's not the problem. The real problem is Adam and what he did. <clears throat> and God put us all in him. So he says, but the free gift is not like the transgression. Now, why is he doing that? Obviously. Eternal life is not like the sin of Adam, is it? And he's going over and against that. Well, he just finished in verse 14, and he's already shown that you have Adam, you have Christ, and you have the likeness uh, of them in many ways, and we covered that. But it says he is a type of Christ. And then you see right there in verse 15, but, now he's going to say a type of, uh, you think of similarities. Now he's going to say, but the differences are eternal. They're infinite. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression, or that sin, of the one, the one is who? Adam. The many died. Now a key word there is died. I circle that word because that's an emphasis because he says you have sin. The wages of sin is death. And it was proven ever since Adam that there is death. Adam didn't die physically at that time, nor Eve. But over time they did. That's physical, but there was a spiritual death. We covered all of those, so we'll, we'll move on here. But... Uh, we, death is for all mankind. It comes from the one man. Sin always produces death. 
And so that's the, the, the key thought. Sin brought death. Easy. But we were involved in that guilt because we were in Adam. Somehow, I can't explain it, but we were in Him. We were in the loins of Adam. Just like we were in Christ whenever He died for us. If we were His chosen people, it's like we were in Him. We were there, but we hadn't even been born yet. How do you explain that? Well, uh, it definitely goes into an infinite thought and uh, God's ways are definitely way beyond ours and His thinking, but... Uh, death is always a part of the punishment of the guilt of sin, right? So there's that, that key word there. The wages of sin is death. There's our, our contrast is now coming. You know, wages of sin is death. We've already seen that before in other texts, and now we, we have it here again. And that it's going up against the gift that brought life. Death, the gift that brought life. The sin of Adam, we know, was dealing with the realm of wages. Now, we're not emphasizing wages. The wages of sin is death. To us, thank the Lord, it's not wages anymore. We, you know, we get what we work for, right? Well, now we go to something that is opposite and quite a contrast. So, sins or transgressions, we know where they lead to. But now, this is moving to free gift. Transgression, free gift. The free gift is eternal life. Eternal life is knowing God. This is eternal life that they may know. It's a quality of life. It's the life of God. And we have the life of God in in the soul of man living even now if you are a believer in Him, right? So the free gift, the One, Jesus Christ, He's the One, and and it says here at the end of that, much more. He says the many die. Now who are the many? Well, in context, and where we've already been, the many is every man, woman, and child. Anybody who's ever been born are all in that sense. The many died. Much more, and that's what we want to key in on on every uh, verse here in these three verses. Much more. Here's Adam's sin. Much more now we compare this and we see the difference. Much more did the grace of God and the gift, and he's already said gift up in uh, the very top half of this verse, but the free gift. And then he says, the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ. So now we turn our attention to that. We know it's uh, eternal life here. And it says, eternal life is not like Adam's sin. And we say, well, of course it's not. And that's really what he's bringing forth. Here is so much the difference now, the two heads. Everybody is in either Adam or in Christ. If you're a believer, you've been justified, you are in Christ, no longer in Adam. If you don't believe in Christ, you've not been chosen and you're not ever going to because you want to live the way that you want to live. At the same time, God is in total control of this. They always remain They remain in Adam. And that is the punishment. There's the guilt. See, there's a certainty that's involved in this. 
is death certain. What are the two things they say? You know, you hear this all the time. I'm not so sure this comes from man, but death and taxes. It's something sure we know it's always going to be. It's as certain as we can possibly be. But even more, you can even be more certain that than even death or taxes that if you know Christ, you will have eternal life. Much more because of the, of the grace here. So it, it's dealing with certainty and death or certainty and eternal life. Now, does that verse help out a little bit in thinking that way? It says, well, this, this is kind of sounding a lot like where we were at last week. Paul is elaborating on it. Now he's showing the vast difference to us. We are certain and sure. So if you are in Christ, you can be certain and sure that you have eternal life. Can we say that? Do we actually believe that? Well, if you're in Christ, then you look in Romans, and especially by the time you get to Romans 8, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation. And he goes to show the certainty, the surety of your salvation. And uh, it started not whenever you said yes to Christ. It started long before the foundation of the world because this was God's plan. And He uh, predestined you. Uh, He foreknew you. And uh, He brings you all the way to glorification. Uh, We respond to His call because of Him working in us. Now, that idea of life. By contrast... All die. The contrast is that God brings eternal life to the many. Now, who are the many here in Romans 5? Again, he says many. Is that every person uh, uh, that the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many? You have to read it in the context. And if you've already been reading Romans all the way through, not everybody goes to heaven. Matter of fact, Jesus says, few there be that find it. Uh, although there will be millions and millions there, at the same time, for the most part, most will desire to live like they naturally are. And they will live in their sin, and then death comes, and they uh, are living in hell for eternity. Um, life. Life is certain. Isn't that good to know? And by the way, Romans 5 and uh, Even when we started in verse 1, it was all about security of salvation. Verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified, declared righteous, by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. No longer at war, we're at peace. And what he does through those next few verses, he establishes the security of the believer. Eternal security. Romans, you cannot miss it. It is all over the place about what God has done there. So he says, it is the grace of God that produces this much more. Right? Grace is favor shown to people who do not deserve it in any way. No shape or form or manner do we deserve this eternal life. It is a free gift. It's not wages. The wages of sin is death. So something has happened, right? It's called the abounding character of grace. 
and you cannot put a limit on it at all. See, death is absolutely unfruitful, isn't it? Nothing can come out of a dead tree. Nothing can come out of a dead person. If their soul is dead, there's no fruit there. But this case, it abounds and abounds and abounds and abounds. And I could keep doing that for eternity. Abounding grace. It keeps increasing. You see, the seed of the fruit, Jesus Christ being the first of the fruits, right? The first fruits. It multiplies, reproduces itself. Grace is always abounding. Um, there was a man who wrote a book called Grace Abounding. His name was John Bunyan, who also wrote Pilgrim's Progress. Grace Abounding is his life, and he struggled with the whole fact of what salvation was about. Uh, but you know what? When you see what he has finally done, see, he kept seeing himself, and uh, he was like Martin Luther. He knew that he could not please God. He was such a sinner. That's what everybody needs to see, that they're such a sinner. That's their nature. And now it talks about this man, this one man, Jesus Christ, and this grace abounding to the many. Now, by the way, there is no measure to grace. You can't say it's finally full up. It goes on and on and on. Always with life, there is no limit. That's incredible to think that the grace of God has more meaning to you now than it did even when you were first saved. You knew you were saved by grace. It wasn't you. You knew that. And the more that you learn truths of this, the grace just becomes more and more apparent what it is. But we never get it completely. We want to see more of that grace. And it just keeps abounding. Now look at John chapter 1, verse 6. It's about Christ. It's about Him being the Word. John 1, uh, 16 is really where we're, we should be turning. For of His fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Have you realized grace? If you have, you're a believer. You've fully received You've received all the grace that you need, and yet He keeps on feeding you. He keeps taking care of you constantly, ever going on, no limit. A turn to Ephesians 2, 7. Abounding grace. What does that mean? I've been looking at that all week trying to figure out what all does this mean. Well, this helps a little bit. Look at verse 6. He raised us up with Him. Look at this. Seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, here we go. 
so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Surpassing riches of his grace. It just gets more and more. And it multiplies and it gets bigger and bigger and more meaningful than ever. Even when we're glorified, we will be seeing more and more of this exceeding, surpassing riches of His grace. How kind is that? It doesn't get any better. It never stops. Well, if that's not enough, let's turn to one more. Chapter 3, verse 8. To me, the very least of all saints. This is Paul talking. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles what? The unfathomable riches of Christ. That means you cannot get to the depth of the riches. And he says, I was given this and I was a persecutor and murderer of Christians. I am the chief of all sinners. I don't deserve it at all. And he says, yet this was given to me, the least of all saints. I was given grace. I was saved. But not only that, look at this. I get to preach this to Gentiles. How unfathomable His riches are. I stand here and as weak and lame as I am, I can't even compare to Paul's preaching. And he's just a mere man. But I get to preach the unfathomable, boundless grace of Jesus Christ. But let's don't stop there. So do you. Not just because I'm up here at the pulpit. I mean, I'm here. That, I mean, I can't think of any greater privilege than to do this. But we're all in the same situation. We get this opportunity and privilege to share this kind of news to a lost and dying world. and it's, it's on exhibition right now in front of our lives. We need to know that. We, we, I mean, craziness is absolutely happening. When you see tyrants running nations, they've done it for time immemorial. Ever since sin, we've seen these tyrants, and now it's ever before in, in our face. We've heard about the history of this, and we've seen some of it in our times, but now we're seeing evil. That's lit up all over the place. Wait a minute. Step back and see the glory of God. You know, be praying for our nation. Be praying for those leaders that they would do God's will and say, well, they're not going to do God's will. Maybe not. Not the way they are. But I'll tell you what, ultimately, really they are because God is using them and the only reason they're in that position that they have right now is because God put them there. Not because they deserved it. Was because any wisdom that they had, but he put them there to do, but they will be held responsible for what they do in those high positions. So they're considered to be ministers or servants. They are to be servants of the people. Well, we're seeing quite the opposite in many of them. They are taking advantage of the people for one reason themselves and all the power and the money they can get out of it and all the things that go with it. Been hearing about those oligarchies? <laughs> anyway, they 
there's no measure to grace. What does a grounding, abounding grace mean? Well, you say, well, it means forgiven. I'm forgiven. Yes, it means that, but I want to tell you, it does not stop there. You are forgiven. It goes so far beyond forgiveness. Do you, do you guys need to hear this stuff? Yes. I do. I need to be reminded of this every day. You know what he says there? It's much more. It's much more than putting us back into Adam before he sinned. You can say, well, what better situation could he have had? Well, he was on probation. Even though he had the best opportunity ever of any man when, when he was created. I mean, he was in a perfect spot. No sin. Only thing is, he was on probation. If you do this, if you don't do this, uh, it was really only one. It was dealing with that free of the uh, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which he uh, disobeyed God's command directly. So you see, Adam was not in Christ. Even though he was in a, a great position, Garden of Eden? Are you kidding me? I mean, God created everything perfect. The thing is, is that Adam had the possibility to fall. He also had the possibility to continue on in the situation that was good. But what did he take? He took, and took that possibility and disobeyed God and what he did was he fell fall of Adam, the fall of man, that's man's problem. It goes right back there and history defines it. Uh, all of history is defined by that one act. If you really look at what's going on, we can, t- we can say, I know exactly what's going on in this world. And Satan is working big time, isn't he? And he uses man as a pawn. And so he does the things that he does. Now, see they don't have a choice to sin or not sin. If they're not in Christ, they will continue to sin. Continue, continue, continue. Well, we as Christians, listen to this, are in better place than Adam ever was because we are in Christ. And I want to tell you something. If you're in Christ, you cannot fall from grace. You cannot fall. You are secure in Christ. Our glorification, and remember what I said earlier, is guaranteed. If death was guaranteed and God came through with that promise, He said, if you eat of this tree, you will die. And all of His posterior, they all died. And we know that. We cannot. Is there anybody that can argue against that? Can they debate? No, every man dies. So... We are guaranteed now of, yeah, our physical bodies will die because of Adam's sin, but we are new creatures. You see, our glorification is guaranteed, just like the sin of Adam that went into death is guaranteed. We are children of the King. We are His children. Hold up your heads. No matter what is happening in the future, whether it be just all dandy and everything fine and good, and we go back to the leave it to beaver and the cleavers and 
nice situation back in the 50s, or things get a little bit more dicier, we can look past it and say, we are guaranteed eternal life. We go much better than what Adam is doing, his family. You see, they know no better. This is what they know to make themselves more exalted. But what they get in this life, that's it. We've got something much better. The thing is, we already have eternal life. We've trusted Him. And what He says here, it's the abundance of the riches of His grace. Not only now, but it will continue on. So what do you want? Transgression and what it brings, death? Or do you want the free gift? That's eternal life, which you can have now, right? I mean, so right there in Romans 5, in that very first verse we look at here in 15, that's what he has stated. Is that been brought to a level to be understood? Yeah, you say, yeah, Dennis, can you move on? You've repeated yourself about 30,000 different ways here. I know, I know, and I try not to keep continuing to repeat, but the only thing is I'm kind of bound by the text. <laughs> Because that's what it keeps doing here, because if you don't get it, you're going to battle this all your lives, right? Now, he, he gives another example of it here. Okay, he says, do you get that? I, I, I want to elaborate on this a little bit more, Paul says. Um, the gift, okay? He's already mentioned the gift. It's not like, does that sound familiar? It's not similar to Adam. That which came through the one who sinned, for on the one hand, judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in what? Condemnation. That's a key word to catch on to there. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in what? Justification. We've seen this before. Condemnation. Glorification. So we go to the second one. Through the one who sinned. It's not like one transgression. If the one sin of Adam was his only sin. Now you catching this? And that's impossible, isn't it? Because after the nature of sin, that's what he did. He just sinned. Sin, 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 sin. Everybody else does. But let's put an if. If that one sin that he did, and he said, yes, God, I'm never going to sin again. And that be true? Well, and by the way, let's take it on further. Everyone that came after him, even his children, his children's children, his ch those children's children, children's children, all the way on to right here, and nobody ever sinned again because they saw what happened to Adam. They know about that. And nobody wants to sin. Well, we, that's impossible, right? Because we know what happened. But let, we just put that there. What I'm trying to do is magnify this. That one sin, it still would have been necessary for Jesus to die on the cross for us. The one sin. That's how important it is to find yourself in Adam whenever you don't know Christ and to see. And only Christ is going to show this. It's a deep truth. Hard to understand, 
but yet it is simple because he was condemned. We get that. Adam's sin, condemned. He's a representative. It's going to take a representative then if we find ourselves in the representative, we have to have another representative to get out of that situation. There has to be a representative that would rescue us from the original sin and the condemnation that is there. Right? So that's why he says, the gift is not like that which through the one is sin, for on the one hand the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation, but, here we are in the middle of 16 now, on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. Okay, because of the one sin, there's judgment to condemnation. Alright, now we go to the many transgressions. We talked about one sin, now the many transgressions. Adam's one sin was not the only sin that he had. The entire race did that. If you remember Genesis 6, 5, uh, after we know that there has been sin and now it's been, it's been multiplied to mankind and of course God is going to tell Noah about the flood. And he says in Genesis 6.5, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's the nature that man inherited. That's in Adam. And he sent the judgment a worldwide flood and destroyed everything and everybody except for Noah and his family, those eight. Uh, that's a big thing. I, I want to tell you, Adam's sins were followed by countless trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of sins in thought, word, and deed by all of humankind. Billions of sinners there have been. Billions of them. They're all, they're all sinners. And each of them add their own evils, their arrogance, their pride, their malice, all the vices that go with that. Oh, the moral history of mankind, it's despicable. You want to look at the human history that's found in Romans 1? This is the essence of human history. Romans 1, verse 29 through 32. We've done this before back many, many, many weeks ago. But here it is. Verse 29. Being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Blatant rebellion. You could go on with the sins there, but I think that gives us the essence of what we're thinking about here. You see, all the ones who are Christ, those chosen ones, all of those sins that were talked about there, He died for. Uh, at the same time, 
He died for that one sin. And because of the one sin, look at all the sins that come out of that then. Because now the nature is there and man just can't help but sin because that's what he is. It said many transgressions. What did he say for Adam? How many sins? The one sin. Now here in Romans 5, he says in speaking about the free gift, arose from many transgressions. That even gets to us personally, doesn't it? We were were condemned because of the one sin of Adam. But when we come to justified here, we're not only justified in respect of that one sin, but He dies for all of our sins. They're cast into the sea. And as far as the east is the west, they're gone. Sin is gone. He doesn't hold those against us anymore, even what we committed. So we can't even say, well, it was Adam's fault. Well, the thing is, we would have done the same thing. We are cleared of our sins. We are justified, it says here at the end of verse 16. The many transgressions that are taken from you by Christ result in justification. At the cross is where we see the sins being paid for. There's the redemption. Redemption means to buy, to buy out of. He bought us out of that bondage. So we are pronounced to be righteous in Christ. Just. Justified in Christ. Well, that's two verses. We have one more to go. One more to go here, and this will give us... Again, I think, elaboration on what he said. You say, well, I get the idea. But where we're really pointing to here today, and I think, what I, what was my title? Uh, what was it? The Glory of Abounding Grace. This is all about the glory of God. It's all Him. We get to the best part. For if by the transgression, he starts with that again, of the one, now look at this, death, and he's already mentioned that, but look at this, death reigned through the one, through Adam. Death reigned in all people outside of Christ. All the people in Adam, death is reigning. You know, that's a terrible phrase. It's horrible. It's frightening. (laughs) It's a gloom, sense of doom. Death is devastating. And now I'm going to qualify apart from Jesus Christ. Death has no victory over us. But to the one who is not trusted in Christ, it's the end of everything. Death reigns over the unbeliever. What does reign mean? He rules, reigns completely dominates. They're under the dominion of death. There's no good news in that at all. Death is something that is horrible. It's hopeless. It's terrifying. This is the place of cemeteries. That's this earth that we live on. So, I'm going to stop on that and let's move on. Now, what does he say now after that? 
much more those, and now this thing is just filled to the brim, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. You see these comparisons and contrasts? I mean, it's so easy. If I had intelligence, I would choose Christ every time. There's one problem. They cannot choose Christ without Him bringing them to life first. That's why they are who they are, why they do what they do. Wow. Yes, we did say yes to Christ because He brought us to life. Uh, everybody knows Ephesians. Ephesians 2, we were just there earlier, but it talks about we're dead in our trespasses and sins. And verse 1, dead is you can't respond. Dead is dead. It's not like they're just kind of sleeping and, and you know, it'll, t it'll take a poke by God to, you know, wake them up. We see that it, there's dead there. It's dead. Can't respond. Formally walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sun's of disobedience among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh there's the nature of man indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest all headed to death but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. He made us alive. We became born again. We got life when we were dead. You know what we've been emphasizing all the way through in Adam is deadness of the soul, the spirit. The inner man that's there is dead. And you see what God does. We were dead. He made us alive together and by, with Christ. By grace you've been saved. That means it's a free gift. You can't merit it. You can't do anything. And He raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and here's our verse 7 again, I can't wait to read this again. Why? So that in the ages to come, He might show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And then He says, for by grace, I want to tell you again, it's by grace, you have no merits, you can't go to God and please Him. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that faith is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So grace, faith, gift, eternal life, they're all related, aren't they? 
It's not as a result of works so that no one may boast. But we are His workmanship, and so because we are His, now we will do works that bring Him glory. Grace is absolutely the source of everything. You see, we receive much more. We receive the abundance of grace. Not just becoming saved, but it's the righteousness of Christ. On the basis of grace, we receive, look at this, righteousness. Justification. On the, uh, we receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. The gift is righteousness. The gift is eternal life. The gift is grace. By the way, the word for gift in these verses is charisma. Charismata. It means gift. Uh, we are given spiritual gifts. Charismata. To be able to serve in the church. To serve God. That's a, those are gifts that we all have. Everybody's different in having that. He equips us. But the gift just is just given to us and it just He keeps on giving and giving and giving and giving. We reign in life, it says here. Grace, gift, righteousness will reign in life through Christ. What does it mean to reign in life? First of all, it means to be alive. Physically, we are alive. Spiritually, though, we were born again and we have that life. Spiritual life is what this life is talking about, eternal life. And we reign in life. I want to tell you what you, when you think of reigning, what do you think? A king reigns. In his administration, what he does, he reigns. We reign in life, R-E-I-G-N. You know what that means? We are kings. We are kings and priests. Peter talks about that. We reign in life. What a great thought. Christ is so multidimensional. He grants us justification by faith in Him. And we don't just get life, we reign in life, in Him. It's like life plus, 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 plus. We have eternal life now. It is life now. It's eternal. Because, see, there's the life of God in us. We reign in life as kings. Christ inherits everything. And because of what Christ has done, and we are children of the King, and we are also brothers of Christ, what He inherits, in Romans 8 it talks about that, we inherit. We inherit what God has for us. Look in Romans 8. Just really almost, it's hard to believe. Sometimes I feel like I'm stepping on ground that I shouldn't even be talking about. Uh, but he says in verse 16, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and of children heirs also. Heirs of God 
and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, it's part of the Christian life, so that we may also be glorified with Him. It's always the cross before the crown. Suffering before the glory. The glory is coming. But did you notice that? Heirs of God. Fellow heirs with Christ. Everything that Christ gets is ours. It's only because of Christ. In Christ. Whatever that means, I have no idea. I have to be very careful. And we're talking about things in the heavenly places. He blesses with so many things here. Physical things that we you know, must have and other things that we don't really have to have. And, you know, there are things we shouldn't have. But everything comes from God, you know, in, in, in one sense, you know. And so, isn't it amazing how He's definitely blessed us, but the inheritance that we're talking here are matters of eternal things. We are kings and priests here, although we don't seem like we're experiencing it. And whatever we tell the way the government to, to do, I'm sure they're not going to listen to us. <laughs> what is the practical use of this? We've had doctrine, and then we must finish with a couple of sentences here saying, okay, it's all well and good, but what does this mean to me? Well, we don't first seek that out. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first Christ and let those things work out. What does it mean to me in my life? That does count. But we first see the doctrine and then we see how it works out in our lives. You see, God is a transformer of life. The lives that we once had, He transforms completely. And aren't you glad that you know Jesus Christ? Aren't you glad to know that in Christ that there's something different in you from the way that we were? In Christ. Christ. We, we had a total change. Everything has been made new. Now granted, we're still in the flesh and there's a lot of things that really have to be thrashed out of us and that's okay. But He turns a pauper into a king. Turns a slave into a king. That's what we were. He takes a child of Adam and turns him into a child of God. That's what we are. That's what our nature is now. That's the way that we want to live. He turns a dead man into a living one. We really have what real life is about. God's life. And do you know what it means to be reigning? What it means to be a king? It means to have authority and power. Never to be abused. What does it mean to judge angels? I don't know. I go, surely that's not the case. But He'll put us up over the angels. We are below them in God's creation, but He will put us above. What, what, what is man that you would do this? What are we? What did He do? Whew. 
Does this help in your practical use? Because when you hear the news of what went on today, usually it's all bad news from the wrong sources, you put yourself way above that. Don't be dominated by that. Remember where you're really at. You reign in life. You have power and authority. You've been made a victor. In Romans 8 it says, more than conquerors. Abundantly, abounding conquerors. Child of the King. You know, and the sad thing about it is I don't think Christians really understand what this means. Something that we have just read and kind of expounded on here this morning that seems to be so simple, the first Adam, the last Adam. A lot of Christians don't even know about that. They say, what do you mean last Adam? Shame on you. You don't know that? Well, if they just became a Christian, I wouldn't expect them to. Some of these people have been sitting in churches for 30 and 40 years and they have no idea what you would mean by the last Adam, second Adam. Are you an Adam? Are you in Christ? Huh? But they are still, they're paupers, they're babies, they're infants, or even worse, they're really not that. They just take up a space in a church building, but they're not part of the church. And we don't always know that. We, we don't. We pray for people that they would be discipled and learn these truths. These are deep truths. Even though this was, at the outset, wasn't it very simple? But yet, when you read God's Word, regardless of how maybe maybe short of the way that I, I could put it, the depths of God's Word and the Spirit of God that is teaching us in this incredible stuff that goes far above what this world thinks it's about. Far and above everything what I think my little world is about and, and on a daily life. I, I think that all Christians need this practical doctrine to think about this. And this is how we can keep from sinning when we see such a high position that Christ has put us in and what is to come. It makes you want to live for Christ, doesn't it? We're kings, we're priests. We have authority and power to live a Christ-like life. Regardless if the world goes along with us or not, we have the truth, we are ambassadors, and we have this truth that they need so desperately. And we desperately need to hear the gospel every day, don't we? We've been delivered from something to Christ. How great is our salvation? Let's pray. Father, great holy God, the awesome truth that You have given, I know that I would never have chosen You. I would never have been obedient to You on my own. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I never would be. But through the person of Christ, I am very needy, and through the person of Christ, everything has been met. You're satisfied with His work and His price that He paid. And Lord, help me take this message out to those lost. We would love to see those lost come in 
to our little body of Christ and to disciple them. Each one of us, when we have a little bit of glimpse of that glory of the kingdom, whenever we see one come to Christ, and in this world today, most people don't want Christ, but we have that news. And Lord, for all of us, may these passages disciple us, get us deeper and enjoying your truths, enjoying your life that has been put in us by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Thank you guys for coming up. As, uh, as weeks go on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill us in on the, you know, you heard of the state of the union, on the state of the church, and uh, I'll just be speaking with you, uh, you know, as, as time goes on through here for the next uh, few weeks. Uh, still staying in Romans, of course, but uh, just uh, church business and, and such and what we uh, need to put our heads together and see how the Lord's leading us and what, what, we're, what we need to be doing. And uh, I might even give you guys a, a call or bring you up to, to speed as the time goes on. So, at any rate, be prayerful. Um, be looking to Christ for everything. And that's that's what we're about. All I'm asking is be very prayerful about what's happening in the world, about what's, what is happening in our nation, what's happening right here in this state, this city, in our homes, and this precious church that we have. I want to tell you, I love this church. Amen. I love the church. And boy, what what a privilege it is. I just want to tell you how valuable you guys are. So, the ones that aren't here, I, that's what I want to share uh, and when, when, they're, when they're back here. So, I missed them. Anyway, thank you guys. And if, if you guys could introduce yourself... <laughs> To the guests that we have today that are from St. Joseph, Missouri. We are uh, very blessed to have you. Thank you. Hi. This is Jess Jane. That's Jesse. The youngest.